happy Wednesday. It is hump day. You are listening to the Alpha Mind Zen Heart podcast. My name is Alita McDaniel. I'm an intuitive life strategist. That's a very, very fancy way of saying I coach people in all areas of life to live optimally with food, fitness, you name it, relationships. I don't know. We pretty much cover everything at this point. I've been doing this for 13 years. So today we're going to talk about something that I have been noticing in one of the meditation groups that I run on Facebook. Now, I do a weekly masterclass on my Facebook page uh, that basically goes into all different topics. And one of the topics that was asked by one of my uh, one of my audience members was with regards to meditation. And I started having a lot of my clients and a lot of other people ask me for guidance on meditation. So I thought, you know what, let me do a challenge, a challenge group to challenge people to seven days of meditation, right? Now I chose seven days. I chose seven days because most people struggle to commit. Most people, and it's not the commitment, right? It's, it's the discipline. There's meaning in certain words. So these are the topics that we're going to be covering today. So first and foremost, okay, I want to cover judgment because a lot of people have this fear of going into a meditation without it being self-guided because they have this fear that their mind is going to go off in all these different directions. So they're afraid that their mind is going to go wonky. They're afraid that their mind is going to be uncontrollable. They're afraid that they're not going to be quote unquote able to control their thoughts. So meditation y'all is not about controlling your thoughts. It's about understanding your thoughts. Meditation is a tool by where we're able to understand how and why we are showing up in life. You see, and so during the course of that meditation challenge, I had given everybody on day four the opportunity to go back and review any one of the first three days. And that, that point on day four is where most people got stuck. I saw a lot of people drop out because it, they couldn't make the decision for themselves. I saw a lot of people kind of panic because at that moment it was like, <gasps> and then all of a sudden life got in the way, right? Life got in the way, excuses got in the way, uh, stress at work got in the way, uh, kids got in the way. And this happens because in our minds, we are so attached to the identity we have built with those internal judgments that we can't give ourselves permission to make a choice. Our identity has been built around, I'm not good enough to make choices for myself, or I have to wait for somebody else to give me permission to succeed. And so what ends up happening is when we are given an opportunity with regards to our optimal health, with regards to taking our, our, our ability to use free will back, we panic, we freeze. Because we're so in a state of judgment that we can't, we can't fathom what life would be like if we gave ourselves permission to make our own choices. 
Now, this struggle that we have to feel the need to try to control our thoughts, to try to silence our mind, or even trust ourselves to make the right decision, comes down to trust. Now, I know many of you who will tell me, Alita, I don't trust people. I can't trust other people. People cannot be trusted. And I'm gonna challenge you because I've been doing this for so long to honestly take a look at whether or not you actually trust yourself. Now see, arrogantly, and I say this with 110% love, arrogantly and stubbornly, we can cross our arms and we can say, well, I'm the only one that can be trusted. I can trust myself, but I can't trust everybody else. And I would challenge you to say, but can you? See, at the end of the day, when we cannot trust others, it means that we cannot trust ourselves. For example, if there is a goal, some sort of a commitment that you have made to yourself on numerous occasions that you have broken, you're conditioning your mind to believe that you cannot be trusted to make the right decisions. If deep down inside, you know that there are red flags in a relationship, but you keep choosing that relationship. You're programming your mind that you cannot be trusted to make decisions that are in your highest good. And so when it comes down to something as simple as learning how to meditate, this fear of, you know, trust comes into play. This belief that I cannot be trusted to make the right decisions comes into play. So when we're trying to sit down and meditate, our mind is going wonky. It's going wonky because every single day that we have chosen to use our free will against ourselves, right? We get the signs, we don't listen, and we we make the choice against ourselves. So every time we do that, our mind continues to short circuit over and over and over again. And sitting still in silence forces us to get present with each and every one of those decisions that we have made that anchors in the belief, I cannot be trusted. So when somebody says to me, I can't be alone with my thoughts. I don't know how to control my thoughts. I don't know how to shut my mind off. What I'm really hearing is I'm afraid of what's in there. I'm afraid of going into that hole and facing all of those decisions that I should have done differently. I don't want to see them because then I will have to face the facts that every single day of my life leading up until this point, just about, I have been working to hold myself back. Meditation for me has always been an opportunity for me to look at the ways I'm holding myself back. And this is the reason why I recommend it to clients. This is the reason why I did that seven day challenge was because so many people were asking me the same questions over and over and over and over again. And when somebody would say to me, hey, you know what? Yeah, I can do seven days, 
but they would take themselves out after the first day, deep down inside, there's a belief. I know myself. I never stick to anything. I never follow through with anything. The key is building self-trust through self-awareness. And this is what we're using meditation for. When you come to the realization that self-trust is actually the issue, you kind of move forward a little bit into commitment. Commitment for many of us feels restricting, right? It doesn't really, if, if, we're, in a, if we're in the mindset of fear and lacking self-trust, we're always looking for wiggle room. We're looking for a plan B. When we set out on a goal, we've got one step or one foot in the door and the other foot outside of the, outside of the door because we always want that fallback plan. We've worked so hard over the course of our life to validate the belief that I cannot be trusted to follow through, I cannot be trusted to commit, that we are always looking for two paths instead of one. Because if we take that one, it forces us to look at all the reasons why we've never committed in the past. It forces us to look at how we're showing up in life and why we've never given ourselves permission to follow through with or stick to anything before. So committing in that mindset of not trusting ourselves is it's like basically challenging every belief that we have about reality. This is why for so many people, commitment is the hardest thing to do. It's, it's like if your brain is short-circuiting and now you're telling it to focus on one thing, it's screaming inside, like, what are you doing to me? It would be like if you sat at a desk, which many of you might do on a daily basis for years and then decided to go to the gym and you kicked ass at the gym for three straight hours expecting to turn into a beast and went home and couldn't walk for a week, right? This is what's happening when we go in not committing, not trusting ourselves, not following through on our commitments, and then all of a sudden decide to take on a challenge. So as a coach, one of the, one of the biggest issues that I see when people are looking to take on a new commitment, follow through on a goal, is finding a, a foundation, creating a foundation by which they will be able to follow through on that goal. Because most people, they wanna go from zero to hero right? I had a client years ago who came to me on her 50th birthday. She signed up for a very large training package. And she said to me, you know, my son is going to be doing a video about me. I want to be a superhero. I want to be a competitive bodybuilder. And I said to her, look, you know, you're not in any condition. It's going to take like, it's going to take a few years for us to get you stage ready. And she's like, it's totally fine. I'm ready. I just want to, I just want to do it. I'm ready to put 110% effort into it. And one day it was getting too hard for her. And halfway through the workout, she laid down on the ground. Guys, this is like, seriously, this 
threw me for a loop, okay, when she did this in the middle. I was still at Gold's Gym at this time, so I had only been, I had been a trainer for like, you know, roughly about two years, give or take. And she laid down on the floor halfway through her workout. She threw her arms and legs up in the air. She started kicking and screaming, and she said, I don't want to work out anymore. Let's play. Now, in that moment, I realized her brain short-circuited because never in her life had she ever committed to something so wholeheartedly that she didn't know and she didn't put together the proper foundation to support her in this goal, in this commitment. And this is where we go into what I love, which is discipline. So I'm a huge fan of studying languages, comparative religions, cultures. And I was having a conversation yesterday with a lady who is going to be handling all of the production for my new clothing line. And she's from Ukraine. And we were talking about the word discipline. This is one of my favorite words in the English language to use as really an analogy for how we give meaning to words based on our experience with them. Now, growing up, discipline meant for me that I was being punished. It meant that I had done something wrong, therefore I needed to be disciplined for it. Now, growing up, the whole idea of discipline, because I had that programming in my mind, was I didn't want to have discipline in my life because discipline to me equaled punishment. But in studying comparative religions for the last 15 years, my idea, my concept of discipline has completely shifted. Because to me now, discipline means structure, commitment, dedication, devotion, right? So... When we are communicating with people, whether it be family, friends, coworkers, even your own internal dialogue, the words that you choose are based on the meaning that you give to words. And so when we look at the word commitment, when we look at the word trust, right? Our ideas and our concepts of those words have to do with the meaning that we have given to them. And it can trace back to maybe something in our childhood, maybe an experience we had with a loved one, an elder, even just a friend, a colleague. And our belief system around that word, commitment, trust, discipline, whatever, is based on the meaning of that experience that we gave it. So when I'm working with a client who struggles with making a commitment and setting a proper foundation, I explain that the commitment requires, it requires discipline, not from a place of punishment, you see, but from a place of empowered study. The foundation for making any sort of commitment requires us to see it as a study of excellence in that particular realm. 
This is why most people never follow through with commitments because they go about it completely the wrong way. They go about it from a place of ego, right? I don't have this thing right now. And if I have that thing, everything in my life is going to be better. And I'll have an excuse to feel better when I get this. I'll feel better. That scarcity mindset prevents us from being a disciple of the excellence that that goal can bring into our life. And so if we decide to look at the goal as an opportunity to step up our game as a student, as a disciple, then we're laying the proper foundation to grow into a more excellent and a more great version of who we can be. So if you've given a lot of meaning to things that don't necessarily need to have negative connotations, right? We go back to the word discipline, or even we go back to the word meditation. If you're looking at trying to meditate, you're looking at trying to better yourself. You're looking at trying to, to create a new habit in your life. Proper foundation is going to require you to get clear with what's going on in your mind. Did a workshop a while back, uh, at actually at a social media conference, teaching people how to conquer their fear. And basically saying that everything that you don't want to face will always have power over you. If you are not willing to open up the door and look at all the things that you have stuffed in a closet, then all of those things will perpetually have power over you. So if there's something painful from your past, even just a moment when you denied yourself the opportunity to follow through on a commitment, meditation can allow you to face that calmly, clearly, without judgment. Because what you're doing is you're not trying to silence your mind. You're not trying to say, you know what, shut up, I have to be completely calm, completely still. That's not what it's about. It's about being in that moment, focusing on your breath, noticing what surfaces. In that moment, you're going to notice that there are meanings to experiences, meanings to emotions, attachments to emotions that begin to surface during your meditation. See, the stillness that you're experiencing is more like mm, not looking at the outside stimuli, right? You're closing your eyes and you're shutting off the, the external things that could potentially drag your attention away. And instead of allowing yourself to be distracted, which most of us are by social media, by coworkers, by work, by emails, by the phone each and every day. When we go into meditation, it forces us to not be distracted by all those things, but to understand what unconscious beliefs, what unconscious emotions, what unconscious thoughts are actually ruling our mind. So in the quote unquote stillness of meditation, your mind can be extremely busy 
because it's so used to having things to be distracted by that you personally never give yourself a chance to declutter. So in that stillness of meditation, you're giving yourself the opportunity to look at this clutter and say, this right here is working against me. I no longer want this program anymore. I'm going to choose to change this program, change this belief, change this response, change this reaction. And I'm going to choose to respond differently when it, when it, when it comes around again. Meditation is the, to me, one of the, the most powerful foundations for creating change and excellence in our life because we're creating a structure by which we're able to recommit to our goals each and every day through the meditation. If I go first thing in the morning into a meditation, I use the meditation as an opportunity to say, are there any obstacles in my mind that are preventing me from moving forward towards my goal today? And if so, what do I need to adjust or adapt in order to make room, make space for my goal to manifest. And when I do that, I make the commitment, I set the intention, and I visualize myself following through on taking action on that new awareness. So that what I'm doing is I'm using meditation as a way of calibrating my, how I'm showing up, my identity, in order to push me into the direction of my goal. And that for me is the best way to calibrate self-trust, commitment, and discipline.